welcome back. I'm excited to be here today. We are um, in the third week of Mental Health Awareness Month, month of May. Um, and so today we decided to transition to anxiety's best friend in depression and talk a little bit about that and figure out what we got going on uh, with with defining depression, how it relates as far as spiritual, mental, physical, all the all the aspects of life, and and we'll talk to Marty and see what uh, what insight he has in his genius realm today, like he did last week. But uh, we also have another fan favorite sent in to Mr. Hyde over here for coffee, so. Uh, we're excited about trying that, giving the fans what they what they want, and that's a that's a just a clear review, non biased, two people who just love coffee, um, and you know we just we're really providing the results out there. I'm sure if anybody plays a stock market, the lava went up last week by a few points um, just based off of this podcast. Marty came in with a solid six two. So I think that was I think that was your highest, wasn't it? Uh, pretty yeah, pretty close. Do you see where Elon Musk uh, removes the ability to purchase a Tesla with cryptocurrency this week? Oh, did he? And cryptocurrency tanked. I thought it was because he was on SNL. <laughs> uh, no, but apparently that was also big news because he's the first non like artist or non-athlete or something to be on SNL in a while. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> also the first person with Asperger's to be yeah. on SNL. Uh, yeah, that too. Either way, you know, he actually did remove, you can't buy Tesla with a cryptocurrency anymore and cryptocurrency's value went down. Um, I say that because I think that there's a, there's a correlation there to our coffee reviews and the value of coffee on the stock market. If you follow Folgers and the other such brands, there's a up and down trend um, each Thursday afternoon when we drop a new episode. That's right. That's right. I, at first I thought you were going to say, for me, that just means that I, I have to, uh, sell my cryptocurrency that I was collecting to buy my Tesla. I thought you were going to say you bought a Tesla, but I guess not. I guess that's not no, the way to go. I'm a, Doge, the I'm, a Doge, I'm a Dogecoin man. <laughs> Dogecoin man. I do think it's kind of ironic that Elon Musk hosted SNL the same week gas just went absolutely crazy and everybody was sitting there stockpiling it. I mean, come on now. Come on now. Where's all my... This is not a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> Where, where's all my conspiracy theories? Listen, at? Josh, this is a big week for you. This is the pinnacle of your academic work. I'm not going to let this pass by. Mm. You, this was a big deal. You took what is in the counseling world kind of like the crescendo of the uh, the counseling experience. You took the NCE, the National Counselor's Exam, um, and you failed Indeed. it. Yeah tanked it they caught me cheating i wrote it on the back of my license that they had to uh take from me for some reason but no yeah i did i took it tuesday and i uh, thought i wasn't gonna get the results for a few weeks and walk out of the room he said hey here's your results and i didn't really want to grab them because i was not expecting that so but we passed we passed 
we made it through smooth sailing from here on out and uh just just kind of finish yeah. up so if you're a counselor out there you know how big of a deal that is so that's right awesome. it's that's uh, right it really is downhill from here getting a getting a license graduation and all that fun stuff so downhill true <laughs> It's downhill from here. It's, down, it's all beat to retirement. Till retirement, it's downhill. Your life is. Um, anyway, listen, I got the biggest compliment of the show so far this week. I got a message from my tattoo artist, told me he has listened to every episode. Let's go. Shout out to Philip Holler at Wicked Needle in North Carolina. So awesome guy, even better artwork. Look him up. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we, he's booked um, out to August right now. Booked out to August. I hit him up. I said, Hey man, I need an appointment thinking, listen, I'm, I'm putting you, listen, I'm putting you on the national stage through this podcast get me you know get me in the next week or two and he's like listen i'm booked every hour of the day through august and i said okay i see where i stand it's so, you he's a shout he's, out to tattoo artist man philip is the man and uh he's growing in popularity thanks uh in part to his work mainly to this podcast yeah, yeah. doubt is mainly to the podcast shout out to shout out to johnny bird my tattoo guy we're just giving shout outs right now to tattoo artists all around. We do have the word tattoo in our podcast name and we have not discussed anything about tattoo so far, but, um, shout outs all around. Um, all right. can we do this coffee review now? We've I, I'm going to be honest. Too long. I gave what? it a little taste just a second ago. Did you? Are you scared so of I'm, it? I'm excited about it. I'm oh, excited. you're excited. Here's what we've got here. going. Listen, I'm, we do need some coffee because we are feeling we're, we're dead this week. We are, our energy levels are a little low. Um, even though you just told me you've had a Coke and an energy drink today. Uh, and so, that is true. And I'm still and, feeling and so, I don't. All right. So what we have here is yet again, another drink. Is this a. This looks like it looks like it should be one of those es little espresso type blocks of coffee, but it doesn't say espresso. All right, what we have here is Qualita Rosa Rasa Qualita Rasa. Spell Qualita, that. I can't. Uh, no, can't it's, spell it says Lavaza Lavaza L A V A Z Z A, and then it's Qualita Q U A L A T A with the cute little hat on it um and then rasa r-o-s-s-a um it's a blend of brazilian and african coffees defined by a chocolatey flavor a full body intense aromas and persistent finish Ooh, persistent finish i like its dedication uh it's well-rounded and rich flavor makes this blend ideal for an energy boost that's what we need baby to start off your day well listen it's 1.30 in the afternoon. I'm about to start off my day. Let's go. All Let's right. Lavaza quality, quality, rasa. Mm. I don't even know how mm. to say it. Mm. All right. I'm gonna I haven't tasted it yet. It smells right, just like, it smells kind of like it did last week. Kind of that dirty Coffee. espresso smell. Dirty brew review. Come on now. This is horrible. Again, this is a dirty brew review. We don't know what we're doing. I, I don't know how to make coffee. This is this is horrible. I like it. 
This is literally the worst coffee I've ever put in my mouth. I may not have made this correctly. Got a, it's kind of got a smooth. I like it. I like it. Smooth. What did you do? You know, last week I thought I said it tastes like motor oil. How dark is it? Oh, it's it's dark, man. It's. <clears throat> I mean, I did four four tablespoons, four cups of water. I'm I'm literally starting to twitch over here. This stuff's hitting hard, man. Yeah, my heart's already skipping a few beats. Oh my! As goodness. it already was. This is coffee with a side of coke. Ooh, it's kind of good. Okay, you like it? I literally feel a seizure coming on. Hey, yeah. Well, the show must go on. So. I gotta stop drinking this. Are you that? Is it really? Oh, this. Oh, I keep drinking. Oh. oh. <coughs> I gotta stop. I haven't eaten lunch. It's on an empty stomach. Oh well, that's why. Mm. Come on now, do a little prep. <sighs> Jeez, what are you? Mm. Mistakes were made. Oh yeah, you got about fifteen uh, fifteen minutes until. Listen, I'll mm, I'll adjust the score accordingly. Okay, that's fine. All right, All right listen. <clears throat> Hold on, let me let me pull my life together here. There was something on my mind I wanted to talk about. I'm going to rapidly shift gears because I got tears in my eyes right now from this coffee. Ooh, all right. Pull it together, Marty. Pull it together. <clears throat> all right. Listen, I have had a uh, emotional week. All right. So, you know, tears in my eye because of coffee to tears in my eye because of real emotion here. Um, all right. So, you know, we talk about things on here. Like last week, we were talking about anxiety and just like, you know, as a counselor, um, every week, uh, you know, I talk, you know, I hear people um, talking about just situations they go through. And then my pastor called me last week, you know, kind of talking about a uh, another pastor in the area who had kind of made some decisions that were just heartbreaking. And we were talking about how do we, um, you know, how do we as elders at my church hold each other accountable, create a relationship that at least reduces the chances that we enter into, the, you know, behaviors that are regrettable. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, just on my mind, on my heart here is, and I kind of touched on this last week, I, I think it was, I think it was last week, anyway, where sometimes as a counselor, you get to the point where you recognize and you promote and you defend the need for, for mental health and you defend the need for support and normalize and getting help when you need it. Um, but then you don't get it for yourself, um, you know, because you're expected the one that has the answers. So it's kind of embarrassing to admit when you don't, you know, and so I've just been torn kind of with this idea of like, how do we create, you know, vulnerability, you know, together, you know? And so that's just been, it's just been on my mind. I had this really healthy conversation with my pastor that has just kind of left me feeling kind of like a little bit exposed, like a little bit vulnerable, which was good. It felt healthy. It was humbling. It, you know, it was healing, you know? And then last night at our uh, life group that met at my house like it was a very open very genuine very authentic conversation where I think everyone felt loved like just 
you know, it was just a positive movement. So anyway, I guess the soapbox was, um, I think just as a whole, people are craving relationships. Um, as a counselor, you know, when meeting with people on a daily basis at church, when I'm around people, um, you know, and this, this has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing. I mean, I think just people are hurting and they want to know that they're seen. They want to know that they're heard. They want to know that they're loved. Um, but they don't want to put their neck out there to get chopped off um, through judgment or, or being rejected or being shamed, you know, and so they feel kind of stuck, you know, and so one of them, one of the group members last night was like, well, what's the fix to this? Like, how do we kind of do this dance? And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know the perfect answer because it's tough because it's like, how do you find that, how do you find that group of people, um, you know, that you can trust, Right. And I feel like we play this giant game a lot of times with people of um, crap. What's that game where it's like you put your right foot in, you pull your right foot out, you put your hokey left pokey. the hokey pokey. We play relational hokey pokey with people where it's like, can I trust you? And so I'm going to test it out a little bit. And if you don't answer right, like if you don't respond right, I'm going to pull my trust back, you know, and then maybe they're feeling us out. And so what happens is everybody wants somebody they can rely on um but everybody fears uh, that it's not going to work out so we walk around in this world surrounded by people and we're all just very lonely mm. and a lot of times we're all we're all suffering um you know we're all struggling we're all going through life you know and and, and that's not a popular opinion you know, we don't want to just walk around saying we're all suffering. We're all miserable. Life sucks. You know, I, I tend to be a positive guy. Like when I wake up, days are good. Like I don't walk around miserable. I'm a pretty positive guy. Um, I'm not very mopey, <clears throat> but I also believe that life is full of pain. Life has a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hard things that happen um, and we have to be there for one another, you know, and so. I don't know. I guess my encouragement is this. There's probably somebody in your life today that's having a hard time and they're, they're scared to reach out for help. You know, and so keep your eyes open. Keep your head on a swivel. You know, uh, maybe you're that person. Maybe you need to reach out for help, you know, and maybe you wish somebody would see you. Um, but keep your eyes open. Keep your head on a swivel. Um, who is that person in your life today that's having a hard time and, and that maybe you could reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm here for you. Um, but that's just been on my mind because I feel like we are in a we're we are more connected than we've ever been as a society. And yet we're lonelier than we've ever been as a society uh, because we lack the depth of true meaning, true relationship. Um, and, and we really aren't there for each other like we really could be. And I think it's, it's leaving a lot of people who, when they go through the hard times, they don't have people that they can call. They don't have people they can lean on, or they don't feel like they do, uh, you know, because the relationships aren't where they, where they need to be for those hard times.
So, which really does tie into the topics of anxiety and depression and some of these other things that surface. Because I don't think we were ever made to struggle alone. Like, I don't think we were made to go through life on an island. We weren't made to just experience, you know, this really kind of goes back to our very first series that we ever did on this podcast, Disconnection, and how COVID amplified some of that disconnection and fragmentation of society. Like, I don't think we were made to go through life um, apart from the separation of other people, you know, and there is a huge piece of my faith that contributes to that, without a doubt. You know, because I believe that there was a God who intricately it was involved in the formation of humanity and wants to be involved in the relationship with humanity. And so the biggest relationship to sustain us through that time is my relationship with God. But I also think he uses the people around us to sustain those relationships, you know, um, but I don't think we were supposed to be alone you know, both alone from our creator, but then also alone from the other people that are around us in that process. So anyway, that's my soapbox. I don't know. That's good. No, I think that's, I think that's the perfect foundational block to anyone who comes through the doors for, for counseling and therapy. And I think, vulnerability is absolutely 100% the key to building and gaining trust and in building and gaining trust is when you actually develop um, true relationships and people don't have true relationships because they're scared to be vulnerable. They're scared. They're scared to, to trust people because they've been hurt or they they're scared to trust people because they've went, you know, went around somebody's back or whatever the case may be and as a as a society and as as just as humans just put it like this as humans we almost subconsciously unconsciously like to hide the flaws that we are and the flaws that we have and the imperfections that we have like i was thinking about it driving one day like and this is, this is true. It's going to be kind of wild, but, um, we literally, literally, we go to the bathroom and anything that Where comes is out this of going? us, just, just hold on, just hit me up. Anything that comes out of us is disgusting that people would clarify is disgusting. What do we do with it? We hide it. We flush it down and we push it under the roads that we drive on. We have huge fields of where we burn our trash because we don't want because we don't really want to face what we actually are we hide things so like we are imperfect people we are broken people and so we do these things to make sure that our almost skewed self-perception stays intact when in reality it's it's good to know that we are broken people and that we are um, people that need to reach out, that need those relationships and that need real relationships because the term relationship also is kind of tongue in cheek a lot when it comes to people because talking to somebody and comment somebody on Facebook is not a relationship. It's not. I mean, it, it's really not. But I, but I hit the heart. Yeah, but I hit the heart. Yeah, but I loved it. I yeah. shared it. Yeah. Um, and we just have this distorted view of what that is. And I think you did 
a beautiful job of showing a real life example and how impactful vulnerability can be with a group of people not only with let yourself me, but with a group of let people. me let me hit these final two points then we're going to transition into depression um real quick if you're listening and someone has the courage to open up to you about the str- a struggle they are going through if they have the courage to do that let me encourage you to do two things or not do two things number one feel free to listen to them do not feel like you need to fix their problems i think one of the greatest because when people open up about their brokenness i think that it makes us uncomfortable it makes us uncomfortable and we feel the need to immediately give them an answer most people don't tell you about their problems or their struggles or what they're having a hard time with because they need you to fix it. They just need you to sit with them in the problem. Believe it or not, most solutions are pretty obvious. Most people just need help getting to them. And so my first encouragement is if somebody has the courage to open up do not try to fix them. I said that to myself first. I told this to my life group last night. I'm the world's worst. I try to fix mm-hmm. my wife all the time, right? Don't get me wrong. I do a good job. She's much better today than when I married her. Oh, here we go. I'm just kidding. But um, do not feel like you need to fix them. Sometimes trying to fix people is really just trying to say, I'm just trying to make you more comfortable for me. Most people really know what they need to do. They just need somebody to walk with them through the process. Just be there for them. Number one. Number two, the second bad habit people get into is when, and this is part of the fix-it game, is when they say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. Somebody say, oh, yeah, I went through that. Just do this. Again, it's well-intended. It's an encouragement. It's a, oh, this worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. But a lot of times when I'm struggling and I'm trying to reveal my heart, when I'm trying to open up about what I'm going through and you give me this simple answer, I'm so stupid that I hadn't thought about, oh, go take the ibuprofen, go take a walk, go whatever, drink a glass of water before bed, you know, whatever it is. Uh, sometimes it sounds like you're minimizing the depth of my struggle. Like if the answer was really that easy and my anxiety has gone. The answer was really that easy and my depression's gone. You know, if it was really that easy, I would have done it. You know, uh, sometimes we just need to listen and appreciate the struggle, not just look for the solution. Uh, so let me encourage you to do that. Um, if you really feel like a solution is necessary, just ask them, man, sounds like you're going through a lot. Do you need me to listen to you? Are you listening? Are you just needing me to like hear you out? Or like, do you need me to like help you try to solve this problem? People will let you know what they need, right? People will let you know. So, all right. Very good points. Those are very, very good points. Speaking of cheese pizza. Mm. Depression. Depression. Josh, what do you got for us? Yeah, so... um. Sorry, I'm getting the notes here. So with 
with depression, it's it's very very well connected to anxiety that as mm-hmm. we talked about last week. But it's also a whole nother animal yeah. in itself. Yeah. And when we say it's connected, I they look a hundred percent different. Right. Really couldn't look any more different. Like the anxiety is the complete like overproduction of symptoms. Like you on edge, you jittery, you like, you know, your stomach's fluttering, your mind's racing. Depression is the complete opposite of that. It's like the absence of functioning almost. But they're both connected to the same chemicals within the body. Serotonin, norepinephrine, uh, dopamine, you know, the, the feel good neurotransmitters of the brain and so biologically speaking and as it relates to like daily events there's a strong connection to what causes and contributes to the experience of anxiety and depression but when it comes to symptoms symptomatic expression they're polar opposites of one another exactly and um but they usually yeah in the sense of connection they usually follow one another in the sense of if you have one you probably have experienced the other even though one's might, might be more dominant and so uh thank you for, for clarifying that they don't look the same they're connected in the sense that they might follow one another in in your life if you're diagnosed with anxiety then you've probably had some depression like symptoms um along right. the way so uh so with that rolling into this what is depression yeah so real quick last week we ran kind of through the the basic criteria that as a therapist we're going to look at to see it hey i got criteria too brother hey we got the mini version (laughs) i got mini you got spiral bound i got regular look at you hey we are i tell you what (laughs) we prepare man we are Uh, hey listen i'll read i'll read the even numbers you read the odd numbers uh all right what's the what's the first criteria for depression josh yeah so we uh as far as depression goes what one thing that I would like to to talk to you about real quick is the fact the time difference. Yeah. So like we talked about last week how generalized it's not really a, a generalized depressive disorder. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. They have yeah. you know major like, depressive disorder. But yeah, MDD, major depressive disorder would kind of be the the other side of generalized anxiety generalized. disorder. Yeah, exactly. And so it took six months for a generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm to be diagnosed but with major depressive disorder the criteria it only takes two weeks so if you have the symptoms for two weeks so it's five of the nine that they list yeah for a two-week period with no change then you will probably more than likely be diagnosed with major depressive disorder which is a huge difference between six months and two weeks yeah and so that I, I think that kind of talks a lot about how depressed how depression kind of impacts your life in a different way, even though it is generally connected to yeah. anxiety. All all things equal, depression is more life altering. Right. So what makes it life altering? What are some of the symptoms? <clears throat> yeah, real quick, the nine symptoms, the nine things we're gonna be looking at is depressed mood 
you know, just that overall feeling sad, feeling empty, feeling hopeless. Uh, you may even kind of look tearful, just kind of feeling dejected. Uh, number two, uh, lack of interest and no more pleasure in activities, you know, just feeling disconnected. Uh, you may have weight loss or weight gain. And number three, number four, you're going to have sleep changes. Some people uh, become kind of like insomnia. They can't sleep at all. Some people start sleeping all the time. Uh, number five, you're going to start to have what they call psychomotor agitation or retardation. And basically what that means is literally, it's like you feel like your body is kind of in a vacuum. It's like you're either jittery or like time is slowing down, kind of matrixy. Um, and so it's just like your mind is operating in a fog. Um, you're going to, number six, you're going to be generally kind of just fatigue, no energy, just kind of feel disconnected. There's going to be a heavy feeling of worthlessness, uh, maybe feelings of guilt, um, which may be related to something legit, but maybe completely false. Uh, you're going to have trouble concentrating. Uh, again, that clouded thinking. So you're going to be indecisive, difficulty making decisions. And then number nine, and the most severe one is as the depression wor worsens, you're going to begin having thoughts of death and dying, right? And so at the very minimum, they can be what's called passive, which means there's that idea of, man, if I could just go to sleep and not wake up, it would be okay and then progress all the way up to active suicidality. And even in just saying suicidality, you can say, oh, you know, the idea of wanting to kill yourself. Well, it's more than that, right? It's just more than just the idea of killing yourself. It's okay, well then even looking at that, there's different levels of suicidality um, from wanting to kill yourself to then the extent of even how severe that is. Um, and so that is kind of the the litmus test for severity too. And so, like I said, like you had said, is you don't have to have all of those nine symptoms. You only have to have five of them um, for that two week period, but those typically are going to be present in some form or fashion during that time. Um, and they're all kind of woven together, right? Mm -hmm. It's just this overall sense of just that, think of Eeyore from Pooh, you know? Um, from Winnie the Pooh, he's just kind of down and out and dejected and disconnected, you know, and it's just life is hard and taking each step is hard and life is difficult and each, you know, movement takes all your, you know, energy and you just want to sleep, but you can't sleep and you don't want to eat or you want to eat everything. Just everything is just, you know, life, life becomes overwhelming. And so that's kind of the, the picture uh, of what depression can look like. Again, depression can look like a lot of different things. There's a meme that kind of goes around the internet that says, this is what we think depression looks like. And it's kind of some pictures of that idea of being down and depressed and very sad. And it says, this is depression, what it really looks like. And it's like a picture of like Robin Williams telling jokes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's also very true because if you're a person that struggles with chronic depression, a lot of times you learn how to hide it really, really well. And so I want to acknowledge that. I don't want to mask the fact that sometimes there are people that kind of struggle silently and on the outside can kind of mask their symptoms pretty well to the public. Um, and, you know, in day to day life, but secretly on the inside, they're still going through the struggles that we just mentioned. Um, but it may not be obvious to the casual um, observer. You know, right. um, there's kind of a, a running joke that I've heard before that, you know, behind every good comedian is like a depressed soul. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, or some type of pain that fuels the comedy, you know, and unfortunately, I mean, there's like an element of truth to that. Um, not exclusively, you know, but there's a lot of times, like if you take a, a somebody that's really, really funny, you know, sometimes there is a deep pain a or dark, there yeah. was a dark, a deep pain that fueled, you know, the kind of the source of their humor as a coping mechanism. So anyway. Yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of times people connect with that. They love the dark humor mm-hmm. because that humor that he's, he's, <clears throat> he's kind of touching on is what you also have yeah. um, or what you're experiencing. And he kind of gives like a, almost like a, just a slight relief in the joke because you feel the connection. And it's kind of like you were saying, like you feel like you're not as alone anymore. And that's one thing that we try to, I mean, everything that we, we talk about on this podcast is definitely going to be face value because there's so many levels to mental illness, but with depression, almost like how we separated anxiety via stress or worry in everyday life. We also do try to do the same with depression and then being sad or lonely. And so when, when Marty's reading the list of, of nine, uh, you can have touches of certain of these that like certain things when you feel sad or when you feel alone, but ultimately it's not a continuous two week period to where it has really altered your life. And the one thing about the DSM five, which we both have right now is the fact that every mental illness is going to be based off of the fact that your symptoms cause clinical significant distress or impairment in social occupational or other important areas of function. And so you, you know, you have mental illnesses when your life is altered, not when you're at home and feel sad and lonely or not when you're um, sitting there thinking about X, Y, and Z, and then you just kind of get down, but it's more of a severity that Mm -hmm. impacts you to a greater degree than Mm -hmm. being sad or lonely. And those can contribute to that. Just like Marty said last week, stress and worry can contribute to anxiety but the experience of anxiety was not you know because of those solely and same thing goes with depression and recognizing it when it's early on like that and dealing with it can prevent it from becoming clinical right but it's not clinical yet right right exactly so what (laughs) in your best and your best clinical perspective yeah so somebody walks through the door, they sit down, and they say they have five of the nine symptoms. Mm-hmm. What What is some of the things that are going through your head as a counselor when you hear these things? Like, so what is your checklist sure. for um, wondering what is causing some of this? Like, so just to kind of give like a, a I guess peel back the curtain on yeah thought processes. You know, anytime somebody comes in, there's a kind of laundry list I'm going to go down. First and foremost, it's going to be safety, right? Any person that walks in your office and sits down, you, there should be an immediate assumption that there's some level of distress in their life. If there wasn't some level of distress, they wouldn't be sitting in front of you, right? It may be mild. It may be preventative. It may be hypothetical, but they came to see you for a reason, Right. And so if they start to then mention depression or depressive type symptoms, you're immediately going to think, okay, could 
thoughts of death or dying be one of them. So first and foremost, I'm going to check for safety. Is the thought of suicide, wanting to die, going to be present? And then I'm going to keep checking that in an ongoing way, right? And if it is present, I'm going to monitor for severity, right? And, and maybe today's not the day to go down the the rabbit trail of what that looks right. like um but first and foremost safety right is there thoughts of death and dying um but then beyond that what is what's contributing to the depression right and so there's two ways that we can code depression um you know i don't want to get in the weeds too much but is it a single episode right is it circumstantially caused you know is it is it in response to an event in your life, right? If so, I want to understand the event, like what's the environmental influences of the circumstances that have led to this kind of isolated potentially event that has kind of taken you there? Because in understanding that, it can also help us understand how do I get past it? How do I move past it so that your symptoms alleviate and then hopefully the depression lifts and you go back to your former former level of functioning, right? If your depression is more chronic, and what that means is it's ongoing, right? Maybe it's, it's, it's a lifelong struggle. It's a lifelong kind of thing that you just deal with and you manage. Maybe it's not environmentally caused. Maybe it can be triggered because of environmentally uh, you know, cause circumstances, but it's just a situation that you deal with. And maybe it's not trying to say, well, what's the root cause per se, but maybe it's just saying, okay, well, then how does it look in your life and what's the best way to manage it um, in your situation? And then maybe what were the contributing factors to this most recent episode, right? And then do you take medicine? What's the medication look like? Did you recently come off your medicine? Did you recently start a new medicine that could have triggered it, you know? Um, and then beyond that, we also want to know, okay, well, how's your health, right? Mm. Could there be physical causes to this, especially if you've never had depression before and there's no established history of depression? When's the last time you saw your doctor? <clears throat> and I think we, uh, we touched on this last week. The last thing we want to do is start treating a mental health condition when actually what I'm doing is mistreating a physical health condition. Uh, and so we definitely want to make sure that we're treating the appropriate thing the appropriate way. And so we always want to evaluate to make sure, uh, you know, that we're not missing, you know, something else that's really, you know, kind of going on. Uh, and so we want to make sure that they're seeing their doctor and being evaluated um, for whatever else might be or could be contributing to the to the symptoms that are presenting themselves. Gotcha. So would you say that? Because this question comes up a lot in the faith community. Um, and so we kind of want to touch base with the faith community, non-faith community. Mm -hmm. So the human as a whole, there's different contributing factors that can play into your mental illness diagnosis, like depression. So for depression, for example, there could be physical elements uh, elements going on um, that could contribute to your depression it could be mental, you know, it could be mental thinking patterns, negative thinking patterns, figuring out what's going on mentally. Um, but also there could be some imbalance that you were, you were saying in the last episode that could be happening with your um, spiritual life mm -hmm. and what's going on there. So with those three different areas almost like mind body and soul mm -hmm. for the faith community yeah 
how do you reconcile the three? Because personally, some people think that you can just pray depression out without realizing that there are other negative factors being um, poured into your life that are contributing to that. And so one thing that I'll mention, and then I'll, I'll pass it over to you for your expertise here, is um, Charles Spurgeon, great pastor, um, prince, of, prince of pastors, and um, in England, struggled with depression, struggled with clinical depression. And, he, and suicide. And Yeah, he, he struggled with these things. And he said, he came out and said that I am well known as somebody who searches the soul constantly. And I know for a fact that this is not the reason that this uh, has set over me talking about the depression. And so he recognized the fact that it wasn't spiritual, that something else was going on. And for me, I think that's kind of groundbreaking for some people because you can kind of get lost a little bit. When, it, when we talk about depression yeah. um, because of the Christian, the Christianese, the Christian uh, language that we speak in church with conviction, guilt, shame. Some of those kind of line up sometimes with depression. So with all sure. that being said, I hope I uh, – Listen, man, you – trying to figure out which way to take this thing. Uh, all right, so there's, there, there's different ways that I see this. Um, the first one is <clears> – <throat> Could causes of depression be different in the faith community versus the non-faith community? Um, you didn't specifically ask that, but I thought about that. Right. Go with that. While That's you were perfect. talking. So that was one. So I'll circle back around. Could causes be one? And then could, could depression be made worse or be made better? in the faith community versus non-faith community, and then also treatment of depression and the way that we address depression. So it's kind of a three-step process. And I would say kind of yes, yes, and yes. Um, and so they can look different. So for example, anytime, the faith community is just one example. And uh, where where I think the, the causes can be different. And so there's a lot of similar causes, like across the board, like universal like biological right like chemical imbalance is chemical imbalance i don't care if you live here or in papua new guinea like if biologically you're chemically imbalanced it it just happens and you you deal with it uh i'm dealing more with uh and referring more to when the imbalance is a result of um outside influences whether that be uh stressors uh moral convictions spiritual convictions uh, things of that nature. And so when it comes to people of the Christian faith, um, really any type of faith, you have surrendered yourself to a moral code, to a way of being and a belief system, right? And so in, in, in the way that my faith works is it's not just like it's just moral code that I just own up to. Like I truly believe um, that there is a God in heaven that's revealed himself to me and that I have a relationship with and has revealed himself to me, lives inside of me, and that I'm actively um, in relationship with. And so <clears throat> there is a relationship there that when I act in, in opposition to it, there's a dissonance. There's a conflict that exists. 
And if I continue to act at odds with the relationship within me, with the spiritual existence of who I am, the spiritual part of who I am, it that is depressing. In the same way that if I'm consciously operating outside of my marriage, despite being in a committed relationship with my wife, there will be psychological consequences. Unless I can somehow sear the impact of my conscience, the guilt of not honoring the relationship with my wife would lead to potentially depression or anxiety or some other type of psychological manifestation because I'm, I'm operating um, at odds within myself. And so I think that in the faith community, one of the contributing factors to depression specifically that may not exist uh, in people that aren't in the faith community is specific to the convictions that are only held specific to that faith. And that when you have surrendered and you believe to your core um, those convictions and are living within those convictions, but then are you live within odds to yourself? It's a miserable existence when yeah. you know that you're living at odds and, and then you're trying to reconcile those two things. And that's a depressing reality. So I think that is an example of how depression can manifest itself. Um, <clears throat> I think you see this a lot of times in, in teenagers, you know, because they, you know, they're going to school every day. You know, they want to be accepted. They want to be liked. They're wrestling with what their faith is to begin with. And so a lot of times they're trying to assimilate and just trying to explore the world and hang out with their friends. But then at home, they have the influence of their family and whatever the belief system is at home. And so they're also trying to kind of toe the line at home. And so they're kind of like, I don't know, they call it two-faced. You know, they're trying to live in two different ways. And it's it's hard to balance that and they end up feeling kind of hypocritical and you know and it kind of makes them miserable in some way because they know they're just kind of like i'm lying to somebody here you know and it's and it's kind of a miserable existence um and uh, so anyway so i think that's an example of how in some ways almost the the faith community can create depression uh because people are living at odds within themselves if they choose to kind of live against their convictions in an ongoing way does that make sense yeah and then on the flip side of that i think that the that the the christian community we can amplify depression and other mental health disorders for that matter um especially if you are part of a, uh, this goes back to my little soapbox earlier about if, if you're part of a group where you don't feel like you can be open, if you fear, fear, fear judgment, or, or if maybe you just don't really want to change, maybe you're actually part of a good group of people that do love you, but they're going to hold you accountable and to say what you're doing is not right, and you're not ready to change yet. And so you just hide, hide, hide who you are, right? Um, or maybe you are a good, genuine person, but you're just struggling, but you don't feel like you can be honest about your struggles because you're afraid of judgment. You're going to be removed from your position or you're going to be shamed, you know, whatever. And so you end up just hiding the struggle. You know, what I know is that struggles, when hidden, just become a flame. They just become worse. You know, you don't, you don't, put, a, you don't put a rug or a blanket over a fire and it goes out. Uh, and so it, 
I think it just it makes it worse. Uh, and and so that's where I think sometimes the the faith community we can we can make it worse not on purpose I don't think a lot of times I don't think it's our intent but I think sometimes that can happen if the person doesn't feel like it's safe to kind of bring the struggle to the table so it kind of goes back to episode three which was when we talked about little Nas we talked about church hurt and mm-hmm. how the church's judgment can kind of inflict pain inflict hurt yeah and it, but also the church's judgment can make you feel like you're somebody you're not yeah and that in itself the mental battle within that weighs on somebody to the point to where depression symptoms or depression itself just on sets on somebody to where it just kind of takes over them because of that judgment that they're facing or that they think they'll face in comparison to how they actually are and i don't want to take people off the hook too like sometimes like i've done this i have consciously done stuff that i knew i shouldn't have and i wasn't ready to be uh, i wasn't ready to own up to it right and so it's not always it's not always the church mishandling things it's not Mm -hmm. always my pastor screwing up it's not always people ready to judge me that right. does happen a lot. That's why I criticize it a lot, because I think it is a common failing in the Christian church in America, right? That's why I criticize it a lot, but I don't think it's always that. Sometimes I think it's me. Sometimes I think it's us not ready to be held accountable for our actions. I want to live a double life. I want to have my cake and eat it too, right? right. Like I, I got to acknowledge that too, right? Sometimes I want to claim my faith, but not live it, you know? And, and so like I, I I don't want that conviction, so I'm not going to tell you. Right. So you can't point it out at me, and so I'm kind of living that double standard. And so I got to acknowledge that too. Like sometimes it's me, you know. Sometimes it's you. Like, and we gotta we gotta see that side of it as well. Gotcha. Um. So, for say say somebody right now is listening to this podcast, not spiritual, not religious, would land in the the non faith part of society. Um how how does how does that transition um as far as the inner battle within themselves because i still think it applies mm-hmm. it's just it just might not be with the church mm-hmm. or it might not be with god but there's still yeah. an out of balance between maybe how they were raised and how they're currently living um or is there still like the the whole overall thing between both communities mm-hmm. faith and non-faith is the fact that we aren't vulnerable people mm-hmm. and that when we live out of balance with what we're acting like and how we actually are it kind of creates some of this um depression symptoms that's, that's a really good that's a that's a good question uh, i hope I, my answer will tell you why i think it is um <clears throat> uh brene brown if anybody's ever studied Brene Brown, man, she's a home run. You know, and what she kind of says is that we don't do a good job of acknowledging it, but the United States of America is a shame culture. Uh, you know, we think of shame cultures. We think of a lot of, uh, of cultures that put some really explicit pressure on conformity. And when we look at America, we say, hey, we got the freedom to choose. We got the freedom of choice. We got the freedom, you know, and we're like, we don't naturally think of it as a shame culture. But if you go in and you read her research and her rationale and 
and how she kind of um, qualifies that and explains it. She, I mean, she really hits a home run. Uh, and so I'm not going to unpack that here. Um, you right. can go look her up. Uh, but she does a really good job of explaining that. And from a kind of a an non-religious viewpoint, I'm not saying she's non-religious, but her she presents it in a kind of just a, a generic way. Um, but it's really solid, in my opinion, and universally kind of applicable. Uh, and but you're right, because the reality is, is we all come from different cultures, whether that's your family culture, your racial culture, your the culture that your gender um, pushes forward, the uh, the region of the country that you come from. Maybe you come from a different nationality, right? I can go on and on and on. Um, and all of those areas carry with them <clears throat> expectations, stereotypes, um, stigmas, and ways that they expect you to behave, right? Mm -hmm. Some of it, maybe even legally, right? Maybe, maybe you have desires and urges and thoughts that rub against legal and moral belief systems. Who knows? Um, but you're exactly right. Is is sometimes, a lot of times, I mean, I see it sitting in my office on a regular basis, People are consumed with things that they have convinced themselves is just inappropriate. It's wrong. It's, it's, they do not want it to be true in their life. And so they just try to squash it. Mm. They just try to push it in the past. Maybe it was just a past experience, maybe a past wound, past hurt. Uh, and so they just try to push it away, push it away, push it away. Problem is, um, it's still alive within them. It's still there. And, you know, and maybe it's the desire to act outside of that cultural norm, to act outside of what they're being pressured into being, you know, and it, and they are forcing themselves to try to be somebody they're not, you right. know, and um, there's a lot of really good examples out there of people that are at <clears throat> just miserable uh, because they feel like they're just faking it, you know, and this could be something as simple as my parents used to force me to wear my hair like this, and I really wanted to wear it like this and dye it this color. It could be as simple as that, all the way up to, you know, my mom wanted me to marry this person, but I really was attracted to whatever, I don't know, you know, and and, and the tensions of conforming to whatever pressures are around us versus whatever the desires are that within us and trying to balance those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, and I do think that is, it's common and it is, it is um, relevant to all people that there's probably not nearly as many people that do feel like they are just congruent that exactly who they are on the outside is expressed on the outside uh, on the inside is expressed on the outside and that oftentimes we are trying to just compensate in some way for something that feels off on the inside and we're trying to make up for it and a lot of times that does fuel whether it be anxiety or depression or some other just uncomfortable behavior right think of all right this is a stereotype don't crucify me yet but think about like sometimes bodybuilders right sometimes there's a stereotype are you trying to compensate for the fact that you feel insecure 
And so you work out to get big muscles to make you feel more confident because you feel insecure. Again, it's a stereotype. That's not universally true, but it gives you a visual image of what I'm referring to. Right. Of a kind of a a compensatory compensation of of how that kind of plays out. Okay. And that's, that's great. Uh, That's a, that's a good, because I don't think we really talked, we really talked about this yesterday so you you did a great job of, of coming off of uh coming off of no prep and i thought that was excellent and another thing as far as as far as uh the depression goes is at times and we mentioned this last week and we'll kind of lead into uh practical coping skills and and wrap up the episode is when you don't have purpose or you don't have meaning that in itself can wear on you mentally, mm-hmm. physically, spiritually, because if you feel like it's like the mundane lifestyle itself has an overall wear on people to where if they don't feel like they're contributing in some way, if they don't feel like their purpose, their meaning, their all of these things um, are there presently in the way they live. That disconnection from that will impact them and make them feel kind of hopeless kind of Mm -hmm. depressed because we all want to feel useful we all want to feel like we have a purpose and so that i feel like that a lot of times also contributes to to people's depressions any thoughts on that before we wrap up um yeah you know what i just realized we never, we never scored the coffee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, so, I, I drank my whole cup. Sorry. sorry. We'll, we'll do that at the very end. Um. All right. No, I think you're spot on. Like, again, like, dude, I could go on and on on how culture for all of the blessings that is instant gratification, I think we've lost meaning in value, yeah. in investment, exactly. hard work, delayed gratification, purpose. You know, even just like I was listening to a podcast on like manliness yesterday that somebody sent me. Uh, but one of the things I was talking about was like this warrior mentality. I don't know. It was, it was actually kind of a cool podcast. I really enjoyed it, but I was like, I resonated with it. I was like, man, you're right. I'm like turning into a suburban dad here. Like, where's my like fight at? Uh, and so, like, I do think that as a whole, we've lost some of our edge um, not just as guys, like as humanity, like in culture, we've lost some of those things that kept us healthy, that gave us purpose, meaning, focus, drive. Um, so you're right. Um, but anyway, practical, uh, just kind of as we wrap up, if you're someone who is struggling with feelings of depression, meaningless, hopelessness, um, that will desire to live, um, first of all, reach out for help. This podcast is not the place to get your answers, but hopefully it can be an encouragement to you. Uh, First and foremost, let me just tell you, it's hard. It's a whole lot easier to take anxiety when you have too much energy bubbling over the top and try to figure out how to like redirect it to something positive. It's a whole lot harder when you feel like you're gradually dying on the inside and to figure out how to like spark it back up. And, and to refine, you know, define purpose, because it's like it gradually just kind of like erodes away. Um, and so truthfully, the, the answer 
it's not easy. It's just not a great answer. Like it's not, you know, um, however, the key is, the key is simple. The answer is simple. Application is very difficult. The answer is, well, first and foremost, do you need medication? Do you need some, do you need a boost? Um, but generally speaking, um, <clears throat> sleep, try to get some good rest. If it's physically impossible for you to get good, healthy, consistent rest, you know, um, you know, doctor can help you with that, but consistent rest, positive nutrition, good nutrition. Uh, like Josh, you told me yesterday, Taco Bell does not constitute good nutrition. Uh, taste does not dictate quality. Uh, and so good nutrition, good sleep and, and move. It doesn't have to, you don't have to run a mile. You don't have to run, but just get up and move. Uh, right. Because food releases, uh, the positive chemicals in the body exercise removes re releases the positive chemicals in the body um, for whatever reason whatever started the depression whatever got these chemicals um, slowed down and stopped producing we have to get them started again and unfortunately there's a delay there's a delay in and when you start the positive activity and when they start functioning again there's a delay in you just having to do what's right waiting for the results to happen and there's really no way around it if you wait till you feel like it you're never gonna feel like it never gonna Un feel like it unfortunately you know if you wait till you want to run a mile to run a mile it's just never gonna happen kind of thing and so uh, you're at some point, you're just going to say, you know what, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to just walk for 10 minutes. You know, I'm going to get up at 8am every single day. I'm going to, you know, and just start going through the motions, um, in the, in the hopes that with some consistency, uh, and maybe some accountability that, uh, that things will start looking up, right? Maybe not instantly, maybe not overnight, but with a little bit of time and consistency, that you can kind of start to reverse the process. The bigger picture is this. Once you kind of get out of the episode, the big thing is this, is, is learn from it. Realize what it looks like. Realize what the symptoms look like in you so that if and when it were to happen again, you catch it, you catch it fast, and you know what you can do to prevent it to maintain your health ongoing so that maybe it never has to happen again, or that when it does start to happen, you can kind of jump in and start those positive things earlier so that you can kind of head it off before all motivation is lost. Um, and so that instead of dropping to a two out of 10, you know, on the motivation scale, you wait till you're at like an eight out of 10 and you jump in there and you start acting. And um, so anyway, so yeah, those that, are just the, you know, try to learn from it, try to right. see what works from you and try to implement it sooner and sooner with time so that you're not, you know, you don't wait until you're at that point of despair to intervene. So yeah, that's my exactly. thought. It's, and it's harder to hide anxiety than it is depression. So I just want to double mm -hmm. down on what Marty started this off with is make sure you reach out because anxiety, it's going to come out in some way. People are going to know that you have anxiety. A lot of times but with depression you can hide it just like he said robin williams would joke about it we use humor to deny it but it's it's good to go ahead and start these practical things like sleep food um exercise and and one thing one thing that's always stuck with me i learned in class and this is what we talked about yesterday 90 percent of the body's serotonin the receptors in the serotonin it comes from the digestive tract so 
if you put in crap in your body, you're going to feel like crap. Don't expect it to be this magical thing. And that's one thing I struggle with because I feel like crap some days and I go pick up Taco Bell and I'm like, eh, I just need to eat something. Eh, it's probably not going to help me. So just realize that your body's functions. It, it there's Everything plays a role in itself. And if you need help, talk to somebody get that support get that healthy relationship go see a therapist go see a counselor go see a pastor go see a friend it doesn't matter you need yeah. that healthy relationship so speaking of crap in the body coffee score mm. five five are you ready i'm five five i'm five five seven point zero you're an idiot i loved it so six point was, is that six point two five Am I five five? You're seven and that's six six point two five. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, all right, guys, we're we're out of time for today. Listen, go try this coffee. Don't go try. go go, <laughs> go try the coffee and go find a therapist. Guys, listen, email us, send us your coffee, large twenty three on sweet wheat at yahoo yahoo.com. Uh y'all behave yourselves. Peace out.